Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Shut up and show more football. Come on, come on. Figure, figure. We've done that thing. Can we not knock it? I am flabbergasted. I wouldn't even let them on the bus after the match. I get a taxi back to Manchester. <laughs> Again, don't, please don't call me arrogant because what I'm saying is true. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. When the seagulls follow the troll, it's because they sink sardines. Well, welcome back. And uh, before we go any further, thank you once again for your company. Um, do please subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're on. Do share and tell your friends that you found us. Spread the word on where we are to be found. My name is Richard Keyes, and this is... Andy Gray. At some distance again. In fact, at some three and a half thousand miles apart, because um, my colleague is mm. recovering mm. from knee replacement surgery, which we've talked about almost as much, and maybe more, than we have VAR these past four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, let me tell you, it's been a much easier topic to understand than the AR. <laughs> well, we're not done. I'll get round to it in a moment. Um, just one or two pieces of housekeeping. Uh, there's there's a washing machine going in the background. We'll we'll have to live with that. The, 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 these things happen. Uh, it's it's not as bad, Andy, as the <laughs> continual uh, phones that we've been. Uh, We've been interrupted by in the past. But anyway, uh, let me just say that this yes. podcast is completely independent. We are not supported by a media company or channel. It is just us. That's the way we like it because it allows us to discuss things that maybe we wouldn't be able to otherwise. So a really big thank you to all of you for listening, uh, particularly those of you who have just found us. Now, the podcast, if you're new, is about obviously stories in the main uh, from friends of ours. We know our audience um, popular between the 25 and 45s, which is understandable. I think, Andy, those guys grew up with us and uh, we shall be celebrating an anniversary yeah. along those lines in just a moment. But um, um, we, we also are in a position to be able to have stories that are not what I would describe as entertaining or humorous, but some that are harrowing. And this week we will be talking to someone whose life story mm. falls into that category. Um, 
these things make us face realities that we we probably would rather not face, but but we have to. Uh, the documentary series Football's Dark Darkest Secret on the BBC is not an easy watch. I mean, beautifully constructed, I have to say, as a piece of television, which was I got I got pulled up on Twitter yes, this week, Andy, because I, I I described it as stunning, but it is a stunning piece of TV with a harrowing subject matter. Um, it's not an easy watch. It's it's gut wrenching, yeah. and it's the culmination of something that that football has known about for a long time. Um, but but it's taken the bravery of a few good men to stand up and go public to provide a day of reckoning, not just for the sex abusers involved, but for football as a whole. And we will be speaking with one of them uh, in just a moment. But um, in terms of the anniversary I mentioned, Andy, if I said to you that it was twenty five years ago today, yes. today. Uh, this go being on, Friday, yes. uh, Coventry lost a big football match at the Dell. Um, who lost his rag that day? And <laughs> who was responsible for that? I know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who lost his rag that day and who was responsible for that? You and you is the answer to both questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, our manager lost his rag, having been put on the spot by some very, very forthright investigative uh, questioning from the studio, having had my mind filled, filled, full of, filled, full of, I'm looking for the right words here, uh, knowledgeable, knowledgeable uh, analysis by my colleague. No, no. Now, here's what happened. We're watching a game that your team are playing, and this is what people don't know. And you, for some reason that night, that night because you're, you're usually, you've always been very good at, at putting your allegiance to one side when working. But for some reason that, that night, you had your Fred the Football fan hat on. And you were becoming more and more incensed by your team's performance. So when we went to Big Ron, who had said, we'll get what we deserve tonight, Richard. You thought the big man was being a little flippant, I think would be a word, and would continue to be after the game. So what you never do, and I've never known you do, is interrupt someone who's talking, especially a guest. <laughs> and you kept interrupting Ron. And then Ron was batting away with you. And then as I, as I lay back in my chair, quite comfortable because you're the journalist. I thought, I can't let him go on with this. Not a problem to me. I know the big man's a good pal of mine. So no problem. Then, as I nearly fell off my chair, he went, well, Ron, I'm sitting with Andy. And he says, you deserve nothing. And I'm going, what? Well, <laughs> I, I'm not, I mean, nine, nine tenths man, of that would be accurate. Yeah. on about my toys. <laughs> Uh, the headphones came off. They nearly decapitated Shrevesy, who was uh, yeah. operating as floor manager that night. Uh, and the rest, uh, uh, as they say, is history. 25 years on, Andy. My goodness. 25, 25 years. 25 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's um, ridiculous. So uh, here's the outcome of uh, a, a meeting between the Premier League and uh, the PGMOL, which has brought about a promise uh, that there is a VAR action plan to focus on improving the consistency of decision making on oh, this wow. is this is the bit here listen to this Go on. on subjective calls how can you have a consistency <laughs> on subjective calls this is nonsense already and these subjective calls focus uh, on fouls in the penalty area red cards for serious foul play as well as the interpretation of marginal offsides impossible this is nonsense 
What are they talking wow. about? And how can Mike Riley, Andy, as head of the PGMOL, be going in front of coaches, managers, chief executives, representatives from our 20 clubs this week and saying, look, we'll get better. We'll, we'll, we'll go on extra training courses through the summer. Mike, you've had three years. It's an wow. It's been an unmitigated disaster, VAR, to the point whereby Shambles. everybody Shambles. is of the same view now. And they're saying we'll 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 train further and we'll get more consistency in subjective calls. That's impossible. Totally and by impossible. the way, it's not something we want to achieve. No. Listen, Richard, we already had that. Subjective calls were what they are, a matter of opinion. So what, what are they on about? Yes. What are they on about? We already have it, that. It just, the, the mind boggles Offsides will be marginal offsides. We already have that. We already had that. Give the give the attacker the slight advantage. If there's a doubt about the offside, give the advantage to the front the front man. We already had that. <laughs> so we're spending yes. millions and millions yes. and millions on getting back to exactly where we are pre three years ago before we introduced this. We, we, horrible thing that I think is is destroying the fabric of the game. Well, we, we're back where we were in terms of decisions on offside uh, on handball. Um, I, I, they'll, they'll keep forcing it upon us, and football ultimate football fans maybe will have the last say. But, but it's impossible. And, and if, if Mike Riley wanted to give us change that was consequential, resign, leave us alone, put somebody in charge that can bring about yeah. changes that might make it better. But while you're there, Mike, you are the blockage in the system. Let me tell you that. Uh, a Absolutely. couple of other things, Andy. Blades wider the mark on Wilder. This is uh, Martin Samuel again, who I love reading and often quote in these podcasts. Yeah. Uh, having lost a fine manager, he says, in Chris Wilder, Sheffield United's owner, Prince Abdullah bin Musa Ad bin Abdulaziz Al Saud, now seeks to undermine his reputation. He does. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, uh, Prince. A £4 million payoff. My guess is that's what was due on his contract. And that's what happens when someone is put in a position as Chris was, where he feels there's nowhere else to go except resign. Bless you, Richard. £4 million for what Chris Wilder has done for that club, where he has taken them from and to, and how much money he's responsible for that club earning over the last two or three years alone. Um, £4 million, a drop in the proverbial ocean. It's an absolute disgrace that Sheffield United, whoever's in charge of it, should be arguing and disputing what Chris Wilder might be entitled to. This would be Chris. Thank you very much. It should be Chris. Thanks very much. We're really sorry it never worked out, but blah, blah, blah. Yes. What is it you're after? Yeah. yeah. Only too happy to, to Thank oblige. You very much. You've been absolutely magnificent for this club. Thank you very much, yeah. Chris. And good luck in everything you do in the future. That's what it should have been. Having Not answered, this nitpicking. No. Doesn't deserve this. Doesn't deserve that. Nonsense. Having, uh, having answered this next question, um, you can lean back in your chair just for a moment. I, I can't yes. let this pass without a okay. reference. Uh, what date is it? Do you know the date? Uh, late March. <laughs> it's not April the 1st, is it? Not yet. Not yet. I read this this week and... and, and uh, Harry gets another job, is the headline. Prince Harry has joined Rupert Murdoch's daughter-in-law, Catherine, at the Aspen Institute as one of 14 commissioners who will fight against misinformation. This has to be a joke. <laughs> Catherine is married to James, who is one of the architects of the greatest journalistic scandal in history, and she wants to yes. work yeah. to fight against misinformation. i tell you what I'd do, Catherine. 
I'd, I'd, I'd have a word with your husband across the breakfast table and tell him to ring his dad. That's a great start place. Other than that, I've nothing else to say on it. It <laughs> just is extraordinary. I mean, honestly, I, I, I can't get my head around that. But there we are. Yeah. Here's one. Um, no, me I, too. I'd like to trial it to show that football is also possible without the offside rule. I am convinced that football would be better without it. Uh, so says this week, Marco mm. van Basten. Sorry, Marco. Wrong. Yeah. I mean, what what is it, Andy, with the obsession of changing the laws of a a, a game that has stood the test of time for longer than you and I and uh, a whole host of others have yeah. been around? I, I I don't get the tinkering. Listen, listen, you 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 can't tweak the laws of the game. Yes, you can't tweak them. Yes, and, and we've seen. Well, you can't pass it back. The goal can pick up. That's fine. It fell into it. Not a problem. With regards to technology, you can tweak technology. The goal line technology, you've always been anti it. I know why, because you were right, and I have to concede that. I like goal line technology because it does one thing. It doesn't interrupt the flow of a football match. Agreed. Ever. Agreed. It's either in or it's out. So that, 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 that's fine. You know, um, this passing in the inside of the penalty area, what? Waste of time. And why? I mean, uh, just people trying to justify their position somewhere. I mean, the game is... Was it, what makes it is it's I've always said to you it's perfection is in its imperfection correct is that it's not perfect yes it's not clinical it's not black and white that's what makes this sport different from any other mm. you know even like so rugby which has got many many laws of the game it's pretty much black and white people tell me that's that that's that's that there's not there's not really a lot of variation in it. Tennis is black and white. Cricket's black and white. And golf's black and white. You know, they have the, the laws and the rules, and that's it. Football has never been that way and no. never should be that way. No. Because the fact, the beauty of it is that we do all have an opinion, and there are grey areas, and we will disagree. We'll have a different opinion of this and a different opinion of that. Mm. And that's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes it the game worth watching. And these guys that are trying to make it into this, 100 will get everything 100% right. I don't want to see Everton 100% right in that respect. Well, two, you know, just let's... Two, two things, Andy. One, you never will. You never, ever will, despite what they're looking to achieve. And two, no. the only reason, just, just for those yeah. who haven't followed us down the years, the only reason I objected to goal line technology was not because I felt it could be productive and, and, and help us, but yeah. because I said to you it would be the thin end of the wedge and it would start a clamour for more video technology. Yeah, and that's did. exactly what happened. And, and, and it, yeah, it, 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 if we'd stopped at goal line technology, fine, but we didn't. A um, couple of other things, Andy, before we introduce our guest. Um, uh, UEFA have realised that the bubble has burst, uh, and I've said that to you for some time. Arsene Wenger said it to us on Being Sports recently. It, 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 yeah. Co- yeah, COVID has, has changed things in order that they will never be the same again. Uh, football's financial fair play rules to be ripped up after the crisis. That's one agreement uh, yeah. from UEFA. I'm not yeah. saying that they will be set to one side, but they're going to be thought about again. And here's one that we first started talking about on the radio. And everybody else, I'm pleased to say, jumped on the bandwagon and has made this something that's important. But but remember talking to Dawn Astle for the first time when we spotted that small story about her dad, Jeff. Um, and, yes. And, and, and yes, I do. We embraced Sam Peters, who was working at the Mail on Sunday at the time, and, and really gave him the subject to run yeah. with. And he did a really yeah. good job with it. And now everybody talks about dementia, yeah, Andy. Um, Leeds Rhinos this weekend, just worth pointing this out. They're going to wear mouth guards that will provide technology that, that during the course of the game might be able 
to ensure that there aren't injuries within that 80 minutes or so that they're playing, um, uh, impacting a a concussion. Uh, It's never been higher on the sporting agenda, they say. Um, So, and they're right. Listen, if this is a way forward and it adds something, then good. Um, That that would be something I would would support entirely. Uh, right now, let's get round to talking I think about Manchester. Add Manchester City. Add Manchester City and Liverpool. Thinking of trialing. Uh, yes, I think they are. The You're right. Yes, yes. But this yeah. tonight goes live, yeah. which is yeah. which is great. This being Friday, of course. Yeah. Um, now let's get onto the subject that we intended to discuss, and and that is um, child sex abuse in football. I spoke to Shree. Well, I, I tell you what we'll do first. Let's 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 introduce our guest, Andy. Um, the highest of yeah. the highest profile of those that stepped out of the shadows. Um, former England international. Uh, if if you've seen the, the documentary series, you'll know exactly uh, who who we're talking to and why. Uh, if you haven't, all I can say is 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 go and find it. But let's introduce our guest, and that is the former England Spurs uh, and and Liverpool forward Paul Stewart. Hey Paul, how are you? I'm not so bad, Richard. Um, it's been a bit of a tough year and I know it's been tough for everyone. Um, so I haven't really gone public about uh, about uh, losing my wife. I lost my wife in September. She had a long battle with cancer, but I didn't feel it was right to say too much um, publicly because I know a lot of people have lost loved ones through this pandemic and it's been heartfelt for everyone. So... Um, but it's been particularly tough, as as you can imagine, and still is tough at the moment. Yeah, um, and I, 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 where to start, Paul? I mean, I, I watched all three this week. Um, well, you know, because I text you on the back of it. Um, yeah, and I, I, I spoke to Shrevesy last night, who I know has also been in touch with you. And, and yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, the point he made. It stands. Why isn't this subject front, middle, and back page right now? It, it, it that that was the thing I was left with, having seen the three of them. That we will once again talk about this for a week, ten days, and then we'll mm. put it away. But you've got to live with it, yeah. and others. And I I can't get my head around that, Paul. How how you can do that? Yeah, and I think I think. Richard, you know that that the media is such that it will be a story that that rumbles on for only ten days and then it will be put to bed. I just hope that some of the recommendations that were made on lack of the f a uh, review uh, come to fruition, but you're quite right in what you say you know um, it will be yesterday's news in a week's time. And we will be moving on to whatever else is in in the uh, spotlight. And we need never to forget what this program has shown everyone. Uh, and 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 it's been overwhelming, you know, the reaction to the program, Rich and Andy. It's it's been it's been overwhelming, honestly. But uh, you're quite right. It will be yesterday's news in in, in ten days' time. I mean, forgive me, Andy, because I'll, I'll I'll back but off why, in a minute. Why is that, Paul? Sorry. 
Sorry. Sorry, I just wanted to mention oh, sorry, one of the recommendations, Andy, that, that, that Paul was talking about from, from that report. The FA acted far too slowly to introduce appropriate and sufficient child protection yes. measures and to ensure that the safeguarding was taken seriously by those involved in the game. These are significant institutional failings for which there is no excuse. Yeah, yeah and I, I agree. And I mean, there are other things in there, um, which is that... that, that you know, they denied that from the 70s to 95, there's no evidence that anybody knew uh, that this was happening. Now, I've spoken to uh, a lot of the survivors about this, and they are angry and upset because they are adamant that they reported what had happened to them to either the coaches or a staff member at a club. Now, I... I can only tell you from my side I know I didn't say anything but it's like yeah. they've not believed these um, these victims, it's like they haven't believed them and they chose to say well we haven't found any evidence well the evidence is there because you've been told in the uh, accounts of the victims and now you kick them in the teeth as, as if they're lying and that I think because it was a, a into uh, the, the review was into historical abuse, they've actually denied a lot of the historical abuse by saying there was no evidence in that. As I know, it's, it's angered a lot of the lads and a lot of the uh, victims uh, in the report. So it should. Paul, Paul let me ask you: Do you think? Do you think football's like was such a, a, a game for like closing its eyes to problems? Do you do you believe that had it not been for the likes of? For Vandy, Andy Woodward, people yeah. like yourself, do you think that they would still be uh, just no one recognising it at all? If no one had brought it up, you guys hadn't stepped forward out the shadows. Do you think football would still be in denial that it ever happened? Most definitely, yeah. I think, uh, Andy, I've seen, I've seen the difference since 2016 and what football has done to to safeguard and protect the children in the game now. Now, had uh, us victims or survivors, whichever whichever way we choose to describe us, had not uh, highlighted it. And and to be honest with you, it was all on the back of Andy. I saw Andy's story and felt compelled to yeah. come forward. I didn't expect the tsunami of individuals that did come forward. But, yeah, I think the game would have trundled on um, without acknowledging or... Because you know why, Andy, don't you? You know, these these coaches that were perpetrating this abuse were bringing players to clubs that, you know, the likes of myself uh, to Blackpool, a lad called David yeah. Bardsley. Yeah. We both went on to, to be sold for nearly £500,000. And back then, it was life-saving mm. for Blackpool. Um, the coach that abused me, he brought Trevor Sinclair to Blackpool. They brought um, a number of players that, that that were sold for a lot of money. So the clubs were turning a blind eye to what was happening and wow. what had happened because of what the you know because of what these coaches were delivering. Can I just say, Paul? I, I, mm. you, you talk about survivors and victims. I, I, I I've always uh, Andy and I got involved um, when we were on the radio talk, and and. I'm very proud of the fact, Andy, that we managed to get people talking about Hillsborough again. And I, I always said, Paul, that the, yes. the, 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 there were 96 dead and, and the victims were those that were left. I mean, you guys are survivors. The victims are family 
are the people that you talk about yeah. being unable to cuddle, to be affectionate with, to understand yeah. emotion. Yeah. Listen, let, let, let me read you this. I, 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 just give me two minutes. Um, I was enjoying a day at York races when I spotted him. His big, white, pasty face was burnt on my soul. I've only hated one person in my life, and it's him. My blood started to boil. One minute he seemed within punching distance, and the next I'd lost him. My quarry had spotted me. He was away. He was bloated, overweight. He's uh, sweating. I'm, I'm a former professional footballer. I'd get him. I pushed through the throng with an urgency that should have come from a man who was fleeing. But, but he's gone. Uh, it goes on to say, the loathsome individual who had triggered my explosive behavior was a man called James Torbett. I cast my mind back 30 years to the incident that blighted my life when I was 13. Torbett sexually assaulted me. This is from Alan Brazil's book. Now, Torbett yeah. ended up going to jail yeah. for two years, and Alan was one of those that was instrumental in that happening. 30 years previous and and you know what we wow. did? What we did, most of us, we went, ha, 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 you know, and, and, and we made fun of the fact that, you know, well, you can't go and stay with, with Barry Bunnell at the weekend because he'll put his hands in mm. your pants. I mean, how mm. how wrong were we, Paul? How, I, I, I mean, we did. Whatever anyone wants to say, we did. That's how we reacted because football's a man's game, or it was, and it should be seen to be so. I mean, how do you yeah. live in a world that, like that? Yeah, that's true. And that, and that's, I mean, you're correct there. I mean, you know, we were, we had to grow up quick. You know that, Andy, when we became apprentices. Yeah, um, absolutely. Youngsters, yeah. We, were, we were mixing with professionals and we had to grow up and we had to be tough because if you weren't tough, you'd get swallowed up and consumed in the game yeah. and probably correct. wouldn't have gone on to succeed. So we accepted, I mean, I, I do a lot of work around this now, you know, dressing room banter, Andy, that we used to, uh, yeah. we used to have, you know, when I look at some of the things that I, I, I got involved with at Spurs with, with that team and targeting what you would say were the, uh, the weak lads in the team and then what you perpetrated was nothing more than abuse at stages. And I never, and you know, and with yeah. what I'd been through, I never really considered how our, what we thought was banter, what impact it was having on that individual. Mm. You know, now when I look at it, I think, I, you know, I cringe at some of the things that we got up to. Um, but oh, yeah. that no. was the game then, Andy, wasn't it? You know, as I say, we yeah, that was to, involved, yeah. We we had to grow up quick. We had to really grow up quick because the game, you know, there was no one that you could go and share a problem with. You know, you couldn't go to a coach. You couldn't really go to a manager because it was a sign of weakness and it should never have been that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, 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 you know, I, when I look back, I played 26 games for Liverpool. I think I should have played 226, but, you know, that would have been had yeah. I had somebody yeah. that I felt I could talk to when I was growing up as an apprentice or even younger, but I didn't. And, and, and I let what happened to me consume me. And therefore, you know, the biggest regret was how I didn't succeed at, uh, at Liverpool. Yeah, the reason I read those words, Paul, were just, just really proof that someone else that hasn't been part of the conversation this week mm. knew what was happening. We, we, we largely, all of us knew what happened. Here's another one. Answer, mm. me, answer me this, because I don't get it. Eamon Manners, who yeah. was on the books at Chelsea, 
um, um, yep. we now know everything about um, uh, the individual there that was abusing people. Uh, Heath, yep. what was his uh, Christian name? Yep. Um, uh, his question in an article here by Ian Gallagher, chief reporter on the Mail. How did Dario Grady get away with it? Why can't they see his evidence is nonsense? That's the headline. It's a difficult one with Dario because, you know, the players that have come forward, uh, Rich, have, have, they've, they've said, um, they've named the perpetrator, they've named somebody that actually performed the, the acts on and the, the crimes on the kids. Nobody's nobody's come forward. Not one individual has come forward and said, Dario Grady did this to me. Now, no, sorry, I'm, I may have confused what... you there, but I, I, I mean, Dario Grady knew Paul. We... Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can't believe he didn't know, and um, because on one of his interviews, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. he said that putting your hands down somebody's uh, shot wasn't really an offence, and you know, by saying that, you would think that he obviously knew what was happening. Of course, but again. You know, you look who come through the crew ranks. Rob Jones to be named named as one. These were these were individuals that had the power because they were they were bringing players in that were earning the clubs an awful lot of money, and therefore they had not just the power over the kids, but they had the power over the club. They were they they they, they were dream makers for for the lower clubs, and earning them an awful lot of money, which which then afforded them the the run of the place. And yeah. that was uh, that was how they then were able to commit the crimes on 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 us as as, as children. Eddie Heath, that was his name. Has Jeff Hurst got questions yeah. to answer still, yeah. um, Paul? What 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 do you make of his lack of effort in terms of contribution to the debate? Um, I I think I think what's happened uh, with with the documentary. First and foremost, I think that has that has opened. You know, millions have watched it, and you know, I'm, the messages that I'm receiving uh, on a daily basis now. I think the, the nation get it. You know, I still think when even in 2016, I don't think the whole nation were involved in the story as much as they are now. Okay. So, you know, yeah, I, think, I think you're right. Uh, I yeah. don't. I don't think anyone can hide now. I don't think anyone can hide um, from the subject matter. Um, and that is the, I mean... But Paul, the, let the, me ask you then, Paul, let me ask you, if that's the case, if that's the case, how can we stop this then being a, a one-month wonder? How can we stop this just being uh, brushed away and put to the back, back burner? How can we stop that happening? You know what, well, that's the million-dollar question, I guess, Andy. But, I mean... You know, the, the game has made, the professional game has made giant strides in terms of safeguarding the kids. So, you know, we have to bear in mind that things are a lot different than what they were then. Um, yeah. I expected, and, and I haven't seen, seen it uh, yet, I expected the documentary to bring even more victims forward, you know. I Funny think that, I, yeah. I think uh, I, I thought that, Paul. Well, I, I wondered whether it yeah. would inspire others. Yeah. Yeah. But I you know what? I mean from some of the messages I've got, um, private messages, people have told a loved one. They I got a, a message, a long message last night from from a friend that I helped out uh 
some three years ago. Um, he's gone to the police now and reported his perpetrator. So, you know, there are they are coming forward. It's whether they come forward uh, and wave their anonymity is where we'll see if it has made a massive effect. Because if they've, I, I mean, I don't. It doesn't matter either way whether they they stay anonymous or or they come to the forefront as long as they are reporting it. And I say that because uh, it's the start of the recovery for an individual. It's, I'm not saying that it's an overnight remedy, but it's a start of a recovery. And also it helps, as you quite rightly uh, alluded to, the victims being the family. Mm. It helps them to understand their partner um, a little more yeah. and understand why we, we have been like we've been um, throughout not making excuses for it in any way, shape, or form. Nobody, nobody made me take drugs. Nobody made me have the, the alcohol consumption that I had. But, you know, I look at my children now and, and, and they sort of understand why dad wasn't at school uh, waiting outside the school gates to, you know, that they can run and you can cuddle. I wasn't there at parents' evening. You know, went missing for some of their very important birthdays, drug-fueled, uh, binges, um, they sort of, sort of understand it a little better. It's no excuse, and you, you know, I don't want to make it an excuse, but at least it gives them a little bit of healing as well. See, they, they victim. I just want just uh, 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 sorry to leap in again, Andy. No, no, another on. finding between November 2016 and March 2018. Okay, November 2016 oh. and March 2018. 849 survivors came forward to the police in relation to historical mm. sexual abuse oh. in football. Over 300 alleged suspects were identified and 332 clubs were named. So what I'm guessing, Paul, is that there's a whole lot more than 849. Without doubt. Without doubt. They're, they're, you know, I, I look oh. at that and probably treble it um, purely and simply because, you know, I'm now receiving just on the back of the documentary um, messages and I'm talking hundreds of messages here uh, guys from uh, individuals that it happened to them as kids not all of them in sport by the way but there's still uh, a lot that, it, that, that, that are saying it happened to them whether it be grassroots whether it be the professional game but it happened to them so I look at them figures and quite easily say to myself if I'm receiving them then the other guys must be receiving them. Um, you could easily treble it uh, with, 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 with the amount of um, victims uh, that, that suffered abuse, I think, easily. Um, and what are we looking for now? Is, is, it, is it justice or is it, more importantly, I think I'm right in saying, the start of mm. the healing process that you talked about, Paul? Um, you see, I, I look at the justice side of it, uh, guys and, and and for me it was it was never about justice i mean i found out probably two weeks when i when i'd uh, disclosed or come forward that my abuser had died but do you know what for me it was never about justice because he'd this this, this individual had had such an impact on my life i didn't want him to have any yes. more of an impact on my life i wanted to try and move forward you know, what happened in the past to me, I cannot change. What I can do is I can influence the future. 
And so I've tried yes. to look at look at it that way, so that it doesn't consume me life. Because what it what it does do and it can do, it can consume your whole life. And bit time bit time you you know you 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 know it. You, your life's nearly oh you know I'm 56 now, and it's consumed my life mm. for 40, 40, 45 years. I don't want to allow wow. that to happen again. So I I want to look at the future, which is why I do the work that I do within the game now. Paul, I'll ask you, uh, people who are listening to this, t- tell them, a lot of people I'm sure would be listening and have watched the documentary, they say, well, why, why didn't anyone step forward? Why didn't you? Tell us, did people step forward and be ignored? Or what is the difficulty at the young age you were about standing up and, and, and thinking that your voice might be heard? What's the difficulty? I, I- yeah, I, I talk to, when I talk to the academy and the young players there at the academy, and, and I, I do tell them about my story. And I, I go through the three stages of why I didn't speak up, Andy. And, and when I'm a young lad, when I'm a young lad, was, uh, as soon as I could walk, all I ever wanted to be was a footballer, Andy. I, I, you know, nothing else mattered to me. Yeah. Nothing else mattered yeah. to me. When the abuse started, I had the threats on my family. I'll kill your mum and dad, and I'll kill your brothers. I'm 10 years of age. They're bringing gifts around. He's bringing gifts around of new sportswear for my two older brothers. We came from a council estate. We hardly had a penny. He's bringing gifts around for my parents. But the overriding and overarching reason, guys, as a youngster, you genuinely believe that this individual has the power to give and take away the only thing you ever yeah. want to be yeah. in life. And that for me yeah. was a footballer. And I genuinely believed that, that, that he had the power to give that gift or take it away. So I didn't say anything. Then I go on to, to become an apprentice at Blackpool. I don't really want to, I don't want the coaches to think I'm a problem. You know, it's all, it's happened. I, I'm angry. You know, there was no one that you could, felt you could go and speak to in in private you knew as we said before that it was a it was tough in serving an apprenticeship you couldn't show weakness so i didn't say anything when i get to when i get to to the the success i had in the game you know i go to man city and tottenham and i'm sat next to lineker or i'm sat next to rushy or barnsley do you know what it's embarrassing Mm. It's embarrassing and shameful to mm. say, do you know what happened to me as a youngster? Um, so you don't say anything, and bit time you do yeah. say something, you, your life's your life pass you by, what, uh, guys. What, and that that that's my reason. What what point, Paul? Yeah. At what point do you remember the exact moment that you turn from heavy drinking, drug fueled, <sighs> missing dad? into the thoughtful, progressive helper that you are today? 2016. really was 2016. I mean, even though I beat the drug habit, which, which, you know, on two occasions grabbed me, I was still... Mm-hmm. I was still a nightmare, you know. You know, if I if depression was coming over me, I'd detach myself from my whole family. I'd be in one room and not speak to them. And nobody knew, you know, they didn't understand, well, what have we done? We haven't done anything. But because I couldn't open up, because I couldn't speak, um, I just 
detach myself from my own family. Um, the suicidal thoughts, you know, the, 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 they were just constant. And this was, this was after I'd beaten the, the drink and drugs scenario, guys. I still had these mental health issues, but I could not. I could not uh, address or, or I, couldn't, I couldn't help them. So when 2016 yeah. came and I read, you know, Andy's story and it was just like reading my own, that for me was, was a light bulb moment because when I, when I did come forward, as I said before, my, my family sort of understood dad, husband, you know, son a little better. So it enabled me to start healing. Now, the dark days when they, when they come, I manage them an awful lot better. I, you know, if I feel that I'm getting depressed, I'll say to, oh, well, I would have said to my wife, but I'd say, I'd say to my kids, I'm just, I'm just struggling a bit. And then we talk, and then the, the depression seems to ease, whereas before it was like a dark cloud two miles away. Could feel it coming. But I was powerless to stop it. And bit time the cloud was over my head, I couldn't think rationally. I couldn't sleep. I detached myself from my family. So I'd say 2016, which is a hell of a long time. You know, 52 years of age. It, it's a hell of a long time to have gone through that throughout your life and made others suffer because of your actions. It. It. Yeah. I mean, it. I understand. Of course, you say. You know, it's now divorced you from what was actually, and you a very successful footballing career. This has become something that we talk about more, and I the struggle between the two I understand for you, but I I've got to tell you this: I am in awe of you, and I think what you do is far more important than than anything you achieved as a footballer, which was a, you play for your country for goodness sake, but. I I just it's it's Paul. What you're doing is unbelievable, and thank you. And and just just keep doing it, guys. It gives me solace as well. You know, sometimes um, I do get emotional because when I tell my story, it does involve my family and the impact of my actions on my family, and I can sometimes get upset. Mm. I do, on the back of that, then educate around social media, you know, as I said to you, dressing room banter, you know, posts on, on online how they can be career-threatening because the media will look back. If you if you go on and be very successful and you've made put a post up uh, when you're 16, 17, and it's, it's uh, controversial, they will drag it out and they will, Put, you know, they will birate you, mm. and you don't need all that. I tell them that, I, you know, you look at my career, I said, I didn't enjoy it. What I want to give you the tools is so that the journey you're embarking on now, you can enjoy. And when, whether you make it to the top, whether you go and coaching, you know, I did, I did Barnsley yesterday. I said, all Barnsley want and the academy want is, you know, you guys saying, do you know what, my time at Barnsley in that academy, I absolutely loved. Mm. And I say, if you're coming into training every day with a smile on your face and all you're considering is the coaching and the session that's in hand today, then you're going to enjoy it a lot more. So whatever your issues yeah, are, big or small, Please go and talk to somebody uh, within the academy, within the safeguarding team, 
because you'll end up then having probably one of the best academies because happy kids without issues make make better footballers and and that's i just trying to give them tools you know because of my experience to enjoy the journey that they're embarking on and listen you know as well as i do the actual chances of of these guys making it is very slim i think it's not point not three percent now because of the influx of foreign individuals that that, that a child will make it and we have to bear in mind as well guys that some clubs take them at eight and then spit them out at 23 and there is no exit strategy and that's worrying because they're going into the big wide world and you know it's statistics show that they get into crime they get into drugs because they've dreamt of being this footballer um, for so many years and then all of a sudden it's cut from underneath them. So we have to look at a lot of sides of, of the effects on these kids that are coming through the academies and I'm hoping that the work that I do through the EFL and, and through some of the clubs at the Premier League is just helping them, even if it's a couple of things that come, you know, that stick with them through my deliveries, then I believe I'm doing my job. And it's cathartic for me, guys. I, I, it honestly is. When I yeah, get the feedback from the yeah. clubs, it, it, it helps me. Uh, memo to football. To those of you who knew and did nothing, hang your heads in shame. Uh, message to Paul Stewart. I, mm-hmm. I repeat what I previously said, Paul. I am in awe of you, what you do, and, and if there's anything Andy or I in any form can do to help support, Absolutely. please stay. Uh, just, just say. And um, every good wish in the world to you and everybody else that I've, I've been hearing and listening to in those documentaries. And those who are unnamed well, yet, Paul, let's hope they come out. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, you know, Richard, I'm, I'm always on the end of the phone with yourself. Um, I'd like to think you and Andy have supported me from the onset, even into the uh, stupid idea of buying a football club when, <laughs> when we left uh, in our interview. So <laughs> thank God that that never comes to fruition. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know what, guys, okay. I, I'll keep going. And, and the support from you two guys is, it just, you know, it just it, it is overwhelming. So thank you for inviting me on once again. And please stay in touch. Paul, that, that is a given. Do, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. It's just, I mean, what, what? It's hard sometimes to find words. Uh, this, this is one of those occasions, Andy. I, I, I mean, what a guy! What a guy! Wow, oh, amazing. I mean, when he talks about you know everything he's gone through and and others, hundreds like him, thousands like him. Mm. Um, but it's it, it's needed. It's needed someone like Paul to be brave enough now to step forward, to step out the shadows. And you know, and, and what he's doing now uh, is, is is quite extraordinary. And let's not forget Andy Woodward, who was the first, and uh, Victoria Derbyshire and the BBC, who yeah, did everything Andy. more they could. Because although we were banging on, we didn't quite have the same tools as they did, and uh, you know, they did a did a terrific job with it all. So uh, there we are, a little bit longer than yes, usual, but there was absolutely no way in the world. And in fact, I could be talking to him now, Andy, and in, in, in embracing what he's saying yeah, and absorbing it. But, uh, anyway, uh, if you've enjoyed, do please tell your mates about it. If you're a victim, for heaven's sake, talk to someone about it. Um, and you can get in touch with us on Instagram uh, and Twitter at uh, Keys and Grey Pod, Keys and A and D, Keys and Grey Pod, and um, we will speak this same time next week. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.